Welcome to the Wordy Pair Podcast, your go-to hub for all things writing, world building, and the occasional dive into the weird and wonderful world of fiction. We're breaking down the barriers between you and your next great story. Whether you're a seasoned scribe or just scribbling your first sentences, we've got something for you. We'll be discussing everything from crafting compelling characters to dissecting the good, the bad, and the downright bizarre in the world of fiction. Okay, this script says you guys are eccentric. Isn't that just a three-syllable word for weird no offense so whether you're in need of inspiration a good laugh or just a couple of weirdos to keep you company on your writing journey you're in the right place thanks for tuning in to the wordy pair podcast So, uh, welcome to the third episode of the Wordy Pair Podcast. I am Rudy. And I'm Justin. And we are going to be starting out talking today about prompts and writing for prompts. Um, So this has been something that uh, we've both been using recently. Um, And there are lots of good places to find prompts on the internet. Uh, And they're very good for kind of getting you started uh, and getting a little bit of they can be good for getting a little bit of traffic headed your way too. So we yeah, figured you we can, would. You can do yourself a nice, uh, a nice ask Jeeves in internet search for, uh, for writing prompts, and you should come up with uh, virtually nothing because I don't think Ask Jeeves is around anymore. But you could definitely use Google for that. Yes, Google, and you'll find stuff. I mean, realistically, you're going to want to look for publishers of short fiction, um, usually like free publishers of short fiction. Uh, you're going to want to look for writing forums where people will generally have contests or stuff like that from the forum, and you'll get a prompt each month, and everybody writes the prompt. And if you really want to work at it intensely, writing forums tend to have multiple prompts daily in various categories. Ah, a good point, too. And then you can even, if you're lucky, find some people on... Uh, like, if you look at like writing communities on social media, you can find people who are creating prompts there. So, I mean, they're, 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 they're fairly easy to find, uh, and they're fairly straightforward to write for, or at least on the surface, they're straightforward to write for. So yeah, let's talk a little bit more about the adventures in prompt writing that we've had. I mean, I haven't had too many adventures, I would say, but it's, it's one of them things where it's like, it, you could, you can use it and do it for multiple reasons. One of them being just for fun. Uh, you can use it as a way to create a backlog of things that you can put together in a collection if you maybe want to publish it as a book later or use it on some kind of uh, portfolio where you can you know, show it to prospective uh, publishers. You can, you can do flash fiction. Nothing wrong with fla- flash fiction. Uh, I know it gets a bad rap sometimes, but... One of the nice things about flash fiction is that if you're really, really bad at editing and you want a way to practice, write a bunch of flash fiction and then go back and edit each one down to something that is, you know, reasonable. Yeah, I mean, you can <clears throat> you can always... Uh, I, mean, I mean, flash fiction is highly in demand because a lot of people, or a lot of places, will just throw it up on, like, a website for effectively free. And it's really easy to get people to publish flash fiction. It's, you know, yeah. you talk short stories and, you know, you're kind of like competing with a lot of other people, especially with online magazines. Flash yes. fiction, they tend to take like 10 or 20 of them at a time, depending on who's putting them out there. Well, there are some places that'll just take them and there's not really much of a barrier. So yeah. even if you're, even if you're really, really, really green, you can still use these places as uh, like places to kind of get your start. Well, yeah, but it's important to note that like there's, so, so there's certain places where you'll get a lot more eyeballs than just a lot of places you, that will put up anything you send them, but they're not necessarily getting people looking at everything. And you also have the the issue of, you know, the places that will put up every single piece of flash fiction they receive. Uh, that means there's a lot up there that people are sifting through and trying to find something to read. And you you might just be getting glossed over by sheer volume. So if you if there's a place that will accept like ten a month. And you can get one of yours in there, you know, chances are you, if they have a high readership, you're more likely to get someone seeing it. Yeah. 
So my first experience with prompts was actually on social media. There was a guy on uh, on Minds who put some prompts up on um, on like he made little YouTube videos where he outlined the prompts, and uh, it was kind of just like a for fun once a month prompt. And yeah, it was a good way to kind of get started. It was one of those things where you know everybody kind of share and share alike their stories, uh, and we got a, I got a couple of months of that. Recently, I've been writing occasionally for the uh, Iron Age Media prompts, which are kind of neat. It's instead of like a like a verbal prompt and uh, like a word prompt, they just publish a an, an image once a week, and you can write either flash fiction or a short story for it with the the barrier between them at uh, at what a thousand words, I think. Uh yeah, yeah. The uh, flash fiction is up to a thousand, and after that, yeah. it's a short story. Right. I did not so see an upper fun. limit on word count for short stories, though. I'm assuming it would be somewhere around five to ten. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, you, I mean, what happens is that they will link. So what happens is that they don't publish your story directly; they publish a link to your story, uh, and so you know you're hosting it yourself, and so it's up to people to determine whether they want to read it, however long it is. Yeah, that's actually uh, that's actually a good point. That's an that's an interesting thing that they do is they have their website. They make the prompts. They link to the ones that they put up on their site, but the link goes to your personal site. So if you have a website or a substack or a blog, something like that, that's what it gets linked to. So you actually will get people viewing your content, not just your content posted somewhere uh, on someone else's website. Right. So if you have your website set up where, for instance, if if you have your website set up so that, you know, there's a like a, a taskbar at the top of the, up of the website with like, here's all my other short stories or here's all my other flash fiction. You can sometimes get clicks on those and people will kind of wander around a little bit, which is uh, nice. Yeah, I don't actually remember what my first writing prompt experiences were, but I know a long period went by where I wasn't doing any of them. And a yeah. lot of them I never put anywhere where they could actually be seen by anyone. But I did do well, so, the same... So that's, that's, that's something to think about, actually, because... Even if you so, so the one thing that people worry about, I think sometimes, is that their what they're writing isn't good enough or something like that. So if you have that issue, you can write for the prompt just for practice, and then you know just keep it in your in your back pocket. You don't have to necessarily send it in. I realize that's an obvious thing to say, but but uh, that's that's another advantage to writing pr- for prompts is that you kind of get the first chunk the, the first chunk seed of the story for free, and then you can decide whether or not what you come up with is is worth putting out there. Yeah, and there's no real problem with, you know, pointing out the obvious. I mean, the name is Wordy Pair. We uh, we yeah. probably are excessively wordy at some times. Indeed. Except so, for right let's there. Let's see. Well, yes, of course. I mean, it, wordiness is kind of a is kind of a, a macro phenomenon anyway, so 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 there's um like like you said, like like that one that you mentioned that you started with. That I had done that one uh, as well around the same time that you were doing it and you know there's lots of people that like to do things like that that you know it can it can kind of give you an idea of how other people are looking at what you write too so like I actually someone actually uh, did a voice recording of a couple of my stories and I remember one of them you know I write in a sort of visual sense where like you, you kind of have to be looking at the page for some of my jokes or some of my dialogue to make sense. It won't make sense if someone just reads it to you. So a lot of my stuff is really hard to, to transition to audiobook. So one of the things that happened was I had four quotations at the beginning of something. And I always use quotations to separate one person was talking and then another person was talking and, and then another person, you know, it switched after that. But I gave no indication of who was speaking. So this scene that was supposed to be two people calling back orders uh, for for cooking at a restaurant, the person who read it interpreted it as the one person that was working in the kitchen singing the orders to themselves. And I thought that was interesting. <laughs> nice. And uh, that's actually... Uh, there's some There's some tools out there now. Like, you can find several different, uh, you know, again, they're calling them AI text-to-speech programs, but really they're just, you know, AI is an overused term at this point, but it's in the mainstream, so we'll just go with that. 
So, so AI text-to-speech programs that you can, you, you can save your writing as a PDF file, and you can upload it to these programs, and they will read it in semi-robotic voices. Some of them are, you know, the voices have gotten way better in the past 15 years. Oh, yeah. You know, we've, we've come a long way from Vocaloid, which uh, Vocaloid is still pretty cool, but, you know, you've got, I was listening to one of, one of mine in a, so in like a very, very good, you know, British accent reading. Uh-huh. And there were parts of it where, especially in my case, I use weird names in a lot of things. It, sometimes it just didn't come out right, but you can upload stuff and listen through those programs, and you can see spots in your stories where it's like, oh, that doesn't transition to an audiobook very well. Or, uh, you know, you, have, you would have to word it just right or do just the right pause at the right time in order for this to come out clearly. Yeah, and then, you know, there are other problems with, like, I think we talked about this a little bit last time, but yeah, there's, like, did. issues with, with, with names coming out a little funny, too. But I mean, if you're going to do an audiobook, you want to you want to actually have a real person record it because there's there's no speech text to speech program that exists today unless you've got a one to five paragraph thing that doesn't have any space for a mess up. Uh, well, you know. well, some of them, some of them, some of the the more specialized ones have actually gotten quite good. Like, um, you know that that uh, I, I sent you that video a couple weeks ago with the someone took the voice of. Um, the bad guy from Morrowind and made like a long string of, of insults for a character or something like that. And and so there are some of these AI things that actually do a pretty good job of doing, you know, like inflection and uh, stuff like that. So yeah, there's, it's just expensive. There's a, I mean, the, the ones that I'm thinking of aren't particularly expensive and they can do about that good of a job, but you have to, uh, when you're dealing with those kinds of programs, you, you have to, position everything properly like i noticed that you can't have a visual stutter in someone's dialogue and these these programs don't know what to do when they encounter it like if you have one of those things where it's supposed to be someone going like the, 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 that's uh you know like a porky pig thing it'll actually read it as and it will have no pause between the th well, sound. Again, it depends on on which one you're using. But well, yes. well, you can set it up so that it will read that properly. But there's yeah. there's so many different things that if you if there's you, a little bit of technical aspect. Of yeah, that. there's a very very. Uh, it's actually a very technical when it comes to anything that's hyphenated, or yeah. anything that is dialogue without a without like a comma reference for who is actually speaking. Sure. There's a tendency for it to just run two dialogue sections together. Y- yeah, I mean you 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 would I mean if you're going to if you're going to use one of these things to have your story read, you're going to need to do some editing in order to get it to sound right. Yeah. There, some of them can do it. I guess is my point. But but it's it's also it's also kind of fun just to have, you know, your own especially if you wrote it and you know what it really says anyway. Uh, I've listened to just about everything that I've written in the past couple of years on a text-to-speech thing, and it's kind of kind of neat. Uh huh. But anyway, getting back to prompts, the, an- another thing that's cool about prompts is feedback, because a lot of the prompts are structured as like a like a contest, and there'll either be a vote or even like actual like judging that can uh, help you figure out what people are seeing and what they're not seeing. Like one problem that I seem to have is that I have things that people aren't getting because they're too subtle. Uh, and so I'll be like, but I, but that's in the story. And they're like, no, no, it's not in the story. I'm like, but it, but it's in the story. And it's like, no, it's not. <laughs> it can be a little funny when you write something where you imply something and you're like, oh man, I implied this thing. I didn't say it directly, but like everybody's going to get that I implied it. <laughs> and then you read the judges, read the, you know, like uh, statements on your stuff. And you're like, they didn't, they didn't see it. <laughs> yeah there's definitely i mean that's kind of like the same that's the same thing like i was talking about with the quotation marks thing sometimes it's just a matter of like everyone's going to interpret it differently no matter what you do so there's yeah. there's not much cause to try and be too much of a perfectionist about it like the, well it's not about perfection it's about like making things explicit more explicit than you think they should be yeah like this isn't this wasn't a uh like the the, the issue that i had was not a was not a it's it's unclear who's talking it was a 
it was a, I implied that something was happening in 15 minutes and everybody missed that something was happening in 15 minutes. And therefore the impact of my story was significantly reduced. Whereas if, if like, if like, if like they had talked to me about it and I was like, no, but this is happening in 10 minutes and they'd be like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, I see. Yeah. So that's another good thing is that you can get real feedback and discover where like you can discover that you're being too subtle or discover that you're like making, you know, brash mistakes or whatever. And and the people that do this are usually pretty friendly. So, uh, you know, whatever you throw at them, they'll, they'll, you know, if it has got like spelling errors, they'll notice that or like, you know, grammatical mistakes, they'll notice that, but they won't like yell at you. They'll be like, this, this has a lot of errors in it, or this has errors here. Yeah, that that can be extremely helpful. Like I, I mean, yes. I consider myself a pretty good speller, but when you're typing, things are going to go wrong, whether you know how to spell a word or not. And then there, there's a lot of times, no matter how, no matter how well trained you think you are in, uh, in the use of grammar, there's going to be times where you hear something in your head and you're just not paying attention to what you're typing. And even the best of authors will occasionally write a a t h e i r as t h e r e. Yeah, um, or uh, you know, you'll just you'll just miss you'll just mistype something and not see it, you know. And, yeah, and then you know, I mean, the th- one thing is is that editing your own stuff is always a little bit is always a little bit tough because you know what you thought you wrote, and that has a uh, you have a tendency to read it faster, therefore, and so you can look o- you can overlook little errors pretty easily. Yeah, there's there's definitely value in having an editor outside of yourself. And this is coming from yeah. someone who has edited all of his own stuff. You know, I, I still go back and every once in a while I find an, I, I won't say a completely cringeworthy mistake, but just one of them things where it's like, ah, that really bothers me, but I've already published it. Yeah. I, I've done the same thing. God, so. I, I just ran across one the other day and I can't remember what it is, but you know, you they're, they're there. It's, it's like sometimes you accidentally made a, she, a, he, or you meant to say her, and, yeah. and you and you wrote uh, she instead. Here, yeah, she. Well, like I, I had one thing recently where I I finished a a quote with a period where I should have finished it with a comma, and it's like, oh, I totally missed that. Why did I do that? Yeah, and uh, on on the subject of feedback, that's another good reason to try and find writing forums because it's not just prompts where you can get feedback. There's actually usually sections in any forum for writers. Where oh, people yeah. will offer to give feedback on things that you write. Oh, and so there's an interesting point to be made here is that if you're going to try to write for a magazine or something like that, the magazine will generally uh, ask you to have ask to have like first publishing rights. And so these forums will often have like hidden from the public areas where you can post incomplete stories that you intend to publish as well. Usually you'll have to like you know be a member of the forum for a little while before you can access those areas, but like. They do. Ex- they also do exist, and, and they allow people to look at your work without it being "quote unquote" published. Yeah, that's that's also useful because you don't. You definitely don't want to. Uh, you don't want to break contract on that. You want to let them have their first publishing rights. Right. With the exception of my old college magazine, which uh, never published the story that I was supposed to get published. That I'm, that's always going to stick in my craw. What. what? I thought that they did publish it. Did... No, no, no. I, I, I won the contest. Yeah. And it was supposed to be in, in the college magazine, which I guess that year they decided to stop making. And oh. I, for five years, I kept going back saying, did they ever, you know, print anything out for that? So it was just like an entire 10 or so people that were supposed to be in this magazine that were never in it. And it's just like, well, that sucks. Yeah, it does. I never heard that part of the story from you. I remember that you won the contest. I just didn't had I had no idea that they never published it. I thought that part of publishing it was the the fact that it was um you know it public you know it was the winner. Well, I consider that one well out of contract at this point. I'm definitely going to put uh, that oh, one yeah. anywhere. I feel like. I mean, if they yeah yeah, I think that they they didn't ask for a for a permanent yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I don't think they'll care. <laughs> they, they wouldn't even know. I don't even think they do the award anymore. It's the. Uh, it was in two thousand and one, I think. Wow. Uh, so, so yeah, those are those are some thoughts on prompts. Do we have any more prompty type thoughts? Um, one thing you can try if you're <clears throat> if you're feeling you know blocked up is that you can um, try to produce your own prompts, just like fling stuff at the wall, 
and see if anything shows up. But that's more of a brainstorming thing than, than prompts, I guess. I don't know. I mean, it could also be a fun exercise to do your own, you know, prompt thing for other people. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, like my, the first prompt that I ever did was it was it was late last year, and there was a guy over on social media who was just like, "Here's here's here's the prompt. I want this line to be somewhere in there for bonus points, quote unquote bonus points, and I want this event to be in there for bonus points." And so I was like, "Okay, I'll write a, you know, a, a short story for one of them." And then the second one, I wrote like a six thousand word thing that was like an introduction for a character that I was going to introduce in a novella, but I decided to do a short, like, uh, short pulp for, to introduce him. Uh, and that one was fun. But, uh, but then, then, then the guy that was producing these prompts stopped producing them. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, he was doing a pretty good job. I just think that he was, I think he was probably getting better views on his YouTube channel for reviewing books than for the prompts, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, more power to him. He was, uh, yeah. he, <laughs> I wrote an entire book just because he did those prompts. Yeah, that's a, that's another thing too. It it could be something that sparks an entire novel for someone. If you, yeah. uh, you know, if you, if you need something to kickstart a novel. Yeah. Or break yourself out of like a, like a rut, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, so- I mean, so so like in my case, it was it was one prompt I wrote something for, and then I had so much fun writing the first one that I was like, I'm going to do another chapter of this, and then another, and then I was like, I can do a whole story with this, and I ended up doing, I I think it was it was just a novella. It wasn't uh, it wasn't a sixty thousand word story, maybe half that much, maybe. Yeah. But yeah, that that's that's something that can happen. There's. You know, maybe you're looking for something to get started with and to come up with some characters, and writing different prompts can give you an idea of what kind of characters you want to write. Another thing is that it can be a really good way to get into a genre that you're not used to, because it gives you the starting point, and that way you don't have to worry about, um, like, oh, well, I, I, I need to come up with, you know, a backstory for this or that. Uh, you can just start writing in a different genre based on the prompt. And, and sometimes people who are more familiar with different genres will have better ideas for prompts for that genre than you would. So so always be on the lookout for that stuff. I mean, it's it's one of those things that if you want to write, you need to actually write. You can't just, like, have a thousand unfinished novels that never get published anywhere. You really should try to get... I mean, this is this is not the age of of you write one book and, you know, some company picks it up and then you kind of have a career with them for life. That is not, that is not it's common. It's not common at all. And most and of the prefe- self-publishing is becoming a big deal, and you know uh, there's very few people who are going to have like long relationships with you based on some manuscript that you send them sight unseen. But I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Oh no, that's fine. I, you had a better point than me anyway. I was uh, I was just going to bring up you know a lot of. Like, like I remember watching Brandon Sanderson do a thing about, uh, he, you know, he's he's teaching a, he's like doing an extracurricular class for this group that want uh, of people that are doing creative writing, and he's yeah. like, I don't know how many of you in here actually want to pursue a career as a novelist, but I want you to understand that you you may be you may be ten times as good a writer as I am, and you can still fail at this. This is never a guaranteed business. Yeah, and uh, you know, he he spent a good. 20 minutes on his lecture talking about all the things that you have to do to work with a publisher and to get those contracts. And, and he said, there, there are opportunities, but not everyone's going to make it. Yep. And that's, that's an important thing to remember. So like, no matter how many times you send in a manuscript, maybe no one's going to take it. It doesn't necessarily mean you don't have a good book. And, you know, nowadays you're living in a world where if that's the case, you always can, uh, can publish independently and again, even when you do that, people may never read your book, but but you can always have something out there at least. It's a step up from where things used to be. It's one of those things, too, where you can kind of like have a bunch of little things on some online store that, you know, tens of thousands of people visit it every day. And, you know, every once in a while, someone will pick up on it and say, oh, here's something I might read. So, yeah. And um, I mean, you know, you might have a you might have a book that you think is really good. And, you know, everyone that reads it also says it's really good. But, you know, there's just. Getting people to read it is yeah. hard as, as well, and a different skill. Yeah, it's marketing is a way different skill from just getting from just like self-publishing the book. The the marketing part is actually the difficult part. So, so one thing that might be worth talking about is actually 
experimenting with how you're assuming that you have something self-published. You've done this more than I have, but experimenting with different ways to promote the book or different ways to put down the short description for the book. Um, Any thoughts there? I do have some thoughts on that. We may have to save that for another one because I have been on and off doing that for years and I don't remember everything that I've done. Okay. Before we talk about that, I will say that, you know, I might have a little more experience with that, but uh, let's start at mainstream publishing. Now, you actually... uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm you actually have published in peer-reviewed journals, right? Well, yeah, but those are nonfiction scientific works. Yeah, but I mean it, it's it's a type of publishing. So like there there yes. is it's important to note there's a different process in publishing something in a book form that someone else is producing for you. Oh, sure. Or or in a magazine or a journal versus self-publishing. Uh, I am I have exclusively done self-publishing with the exception of any contests I've won where stuff was in a magazine or something. Right. When Or not in a magazine. Yeah, or not in a magazine. <laughs> when, so back in, I think it was the early... Two, I think it was after... Yeah, it was after the 90s. It was the early 2000s. Okay. You used to be able to go into bookstores and there would be writer's market guides that you could purchase back when the internet didn't really supply all of this information. Yeah. And it's it's kind of funny to think that it was only, you know, two decades ago that you couldn't get this information online easily. And so there were these books that just had addresses that you could send manuscripts to publishers. Like like you would buy a book that had had four hundred pages of just addresses, and it's like this publisher and this publisher and this agent, and you would you would use that information and I would go through them and see what it, it these books would usually explain like what they take, uh yes. what what they're looking for. And they would be updated every year. Now, I don't know if they still publish it anywhere in paper format. There's probably a writer's market thing online somewhere. I don't... So, so I, I recently found a PDF of one of these, and it looks like it's a book that was just made into a PDF, or vice versa. Yeah, that's, that's probably what it is. I, I got out of the idea that I wanted to publish mainstream probably around 2005. But up until that point, I was buying those books, and I was looking through them and saying... I might publish with this person, or I might publish with that person. I might try to send this to this place, and that is that is a the, you have to understand the process for that. You can, you know, if you're lucky enough to be selected as someone who they want to, you know, invest in and do some marketing for. Which it's also important to understand that a lot of times, even though publishers will do some of the marketing for you, you still have to do a lot of it on your own. And they actually, oh, yeah. they will expect you to do that. You know, they're going to want you to do book signings. They're going to want you to have some kind of online presence on social media where you can, you know, talk about your book. And, and of course, when you do that kind of thing, you you have to make sure that, you, you know, if you're going to also use social media to be a crank about anything, have a separate account. <laughs> <laughs> Just if you're going to promote books on your Twitter or something, Use the Twitter to promote your books. Use it to talk about your books. Use it to talk about, you know, the things that, you know, you're doing with your writing. Uh, and maybe occasionally put up a picture of a cake you ate if you really want to. I don't know. But uh, I I would say that from a marketing perspective, never bother using a social media account for more than what it is you want to market. If you're using social media just for fun, use it for fun. You can still, you know, semi-promote your stuff there and talk about your stuff. But, like, in my case, I have uh, I have a social media account, and I pretty much use it for fun. So I occasionally drop a link to, to one of my books or something. It's not where yeah. I market any of my stuff. I, I would definitely create a separate account if I wanted to just have a marketing account. That's that's important. But but. Yeah, well, like there's there's a lot there's probably a, a few different few opposing opinions on this where it depends on it depends on whether or not you're writing to the same audience that you're being a crank to. There is that. Like, I mean, if you're writing, uh, you know, like left or right wing politic, not uh, uh, nonfiction. Y- yeah, like a political thriller yeah, or something like that. You're you're probably going to endear yourself to your audience in that sense, but. Yeah, uh, or if you're and, and if writers... you're a programmer and you're writing a programming book, but this that usually applies more to nonfiction than fiction. Ah, uh, well, I don't know. I see a lot of fiction authors who, after they kind of, you know, get 
get, get, get some kind of a following actually kind of open up a little bit more over time. So yeah, it does happen. That is after you get a following, though. Sure. And, you know, if you're looking at it from the independent uh, angle, you kind of want to use the social media to build the following and then do the, the, do the um, book marketing. So it's, it's right. like the complete reverse from the way you would want to do it if you had someone publishing your work for you. Right. Because, you know, you, you then you have a relationship with the publisher at that point. You also want to make sure that you're not doing anything to damage them. Uh, you want it to be yes. a symbiotic relationship. You don't want it to be a relationship where they're like, well, should we not publish any more by this person? Because they're, they're kind of making people look at us and say, eh, you know. And you, know, and you also want to make sure that you're publishing with someone who you know, isn't going to throw you to the curb just because you believe something that you know, a bunch of uh, five-year-olds on Twitter don't believe or yes. hate you for. Uh, right. So, so there's like there's two ways that you have to go about that. You, you know, you want a good publisher that you have a good relationship with. If if you're in a relationship with a publisher who will drop you because you didn't use a the right terminology that was perfectly acceptable the year before in your in your newest novel, then right. you're probably better off without that publisher. As far as I'm concerned, I mean, maybe some people like to conform for the paycheck. But uh, you're you're only hurting your writing when you do that. Well, it's a different it's a different body of publishers for people who do that versus people who don't. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's just a case. You want you definitely want to case out who you're trying to publish through as well. You you don't yeah. want to. Uh, I mean, some people are happy with just finding whoever will publish them, and uh, hey, I'll do whatever the publisher asks me to do, and I I won't put up much of a fight. But I've I've tended to see that most people that write creatively uh want to be able to actually express you know their creativity in their writing yeah so so it's not like it's not like a hard rule i mean if you if you really you know just want to be someone who writes for a living and you're not too concerned with having to conform to everything a publisher wants go for it there's you know you know no no real big problem with that i i just assume that most people don't want that <laughs> Yeah. No, I, I think that's a fair assessment. I mean, it, it, there's definitely a balancing act that goes on anytime that you're going to be interacting with a large... Because, I mean, unless you're the next... What's her name? You know, the Rowling? next Harry Potter. Yeah, if, unless you're the next Harry Potter, the next the, the next Rowling, uh, and even if you are, your publisher might might get stuck into a different, you know, area or, or you know, there's all kinds of weird things that can happen. And... You know, there's there's people who have been canceled and vanished. There are people who have been canceled and leveraged it into like more eyes on the page, and like it's 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 a very complicated situation for anybody who wants to do more than just promote their book and write their books. Yeah, and it uh, it's actually you know you have the option now if you aren't satisfied with a publisher you know depending on how your contract is worked out like if they have a contract with yeah. you where you have to write six books for them you got to write the six books but uh right. you know once you've fulfilled obligations in the contract especially if you made a name for yourself independent publishing is an easy route to jump into from there i mean it's harder to do mainstream publishing so if you do that and you do it successfully you are well equipped to jump into the independent publishing arena. Uh, you... Well, it, mainstream publishing is more selective. Yeah, it's yeah. probably a better way to put that. Because even even good stuff gets thrown out by the mainstream, but any person who wants to self-publish can publish whatever they want. So, <laughs> yeah, and it's actually going back to the uh, the prompts that we were talking about. How you sure. know if you if you publish a flash piece of flash fiction uh, yeah. somewhere that just takes everything. Naturally, you're going to get like, you know, 5,000 people are, are looking at everything and, and you're, you know, chances are that you're not getting glossed over really low. You're probably getting glossed over by people just, you know, it's like, oh, look at this, I oh, look at this. Nobody's really focusing on anything. The same is true in the independent publishing world. You have to tackle your, you have to tackle your own marketing at that point. You don't have a publisher that's going to add anything to that. Uh, and And you have to remember, like, even though you do want to do marketing for yourself when you have a publisher, 
the publisher has a vested interest in anyone they select to publish to uh, publish you know their work. They yeah. so they want you to sell a lot of books. They want to get money out of what they've invested in. Usually, when you take a contract with a publisher, you know you sell them a manuscript. They a lot of times, especially if you've if you've got a reputation already, uh, like if you've sold books before, they will pay you in advance. And yeah. so, so both you and the publisher at that point have a goal. One, you want to get more royalties so that you get paid more for that book. And the publisher. Well, so it's it's worth it's worth noting that usually the first chunk of royalties pays for your advance. So like, yeah, your royalties turn on after after they've paid for your advance. So watch out for that. But yeah, well, well, that's the point I'm making. The the publisher wants to make back the advance they made you, and they want to make a profit. So if you sell just enough books to where you've only made uh made say that five thousand dollar advance back. Uh, you don't get any more money, they don't profit, and they spent a lot of time. So it's in yes. both your interest to market that book in any way that you can that will, you know, make you a profit. You want you want to make $20,000 off the book, and, you know, you, you get... And then your publisher makes 60000 off of it. They get a profit, you get a profit, everyone's happy. And uh, then it's like... Then, then when you write your next book, they say, okay, this person made us money. And it looks like they do a good job helping us out getting uh, getting that book sold. Yep. Let's publish their next book. Uh, it's always good to have that kind of relationship with anyone who's publishing your work. Now, if you're independent, all those costs are falling onto you. And that means you have to research where do I market, who do I market to, what is the audience. A lot of times you don't have to know your audience if you're working with a publisher. They will know the audience for your book better than you do. Yeah. And learning your audience can be tricky, you know, depending on what you write. I mean, obviously, if you're if you're writing, you know, just a standard horror novel, you're appealing to one certain crowd. If you're writing Star Wars or Star Trek style science fiction, you know, two different types of science fiction, you're going to have one or the other audience. But sometimes it's not that straightforward. Sometimes someone is writing a crossover of genres, you know, space operas, fantasy horror you know, different things that are going to appeal to different groups. And usually you're looking at a smaller audience when you do that. Yeah. So you kind of want to look at what other authors that have written similar things, look at who they are marketing to. You want to, uh, unfortunately, we're we're kind of in a state of the world where you have to look at what computer algorithms you're doing if you want to understand how to uh, sell your stuff, which is not, it's not the hardest thing in the world, but it's definitely time consuming to keep up with it. Yes, uh-huh, you, definitely. You want to learn uh, things like search engine optimization. If nothing else, you, you know, you don't have to be a master of it. You just have to be aware of it existing. And You have to be decent at it, because if you're not, then you end up on page two and no one sees your stuff. Well, the, the reason you want to at least understand what it is and how it works is so if you really want to, you can hire someone else who's good at it, because al- that's always an option. Yeah. But... It's definitely worth noting that while it while you can easily and for pennies on the dollar, if not for free, publish anything you want, you still are going to have to make an investment to make money off of it. You, you there's not too many people that just like write a novel and put it up on Amazon and suddenly the checks start rolling in. A lot of times <laughs> people spend uh spend 2 years before they put the, so okay, so when you publish with a when you a have a publisher, publisher, yeah. When you have a publisher, yeah. a lot of times your book isn't going to be published for six months, a year or so, yeah, so yeah, something like that. When you're publishing for yourself, you can publish right away, and then worrying worry about the marketing later. There's no problem with that. Uh, it seems like people are more successful when they spend a year, uh, or maybe even two years. Sometimes while they're still writing the novel, but but they'll, yeah. they'll spend a year hyping it up. And getting their marketing ready so that on day one of its release, they've got people taking pre-orders. They've got uh, they've got people that have been interested in what's going to happen in it for a while. You've given maybe an, a synopsis of you know the idea of the story. You've shown off your cover several times. Maybe you've changed the cover a few times. You've talked about you've gone on shows or something. Someone's podcast where you talk about your book. It's it's a significant time investment to do it right. 
and I will freely admit that I have never been very interested in investing that much time into it, which is why I don't really sell a lot of books. Yeah. But neither of us does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's a that's an important thing to do. But but I understand how it works because I spent a very long time in my youth, you know, learning about how to get things published because at the time I didn't imagine that it would we would be living in a world that you could just throw things out online and people can see them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we're, we're, we predate the internet. <laughs> we, we do indeed. We are the oldsters. Yeah. So, so those are, those are some small thoughts on publishing. I mean, I can go on about that or do we want to switch up to something else or segue into something? Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I think, I think this is a pretty good, pretty solid like discussion about publishing. Is there anything else that we missed? I mean, like, there um, is an absolute ton that we missed. You know, if you sure. if you want to, is, is is there anything that we actually have knowledge of that we missed? Well, well sure. <laughs> there's um, there's lots of venues for advertising, and sure. there's a lot of things you should understand before investing too much money in it. Like, for instance, Amazon. If you have a book published on Amazon, there's they have resources where you can use the Amazon site itself. To promote your book, you pay them a fee. Yes. They will put the they will put your uh, your advertisement in front of so many views, or you can you can buy ad space on people's Kindles. Uh, when people first open their Kindles, as long as they're online, they're usually getting their opening screen as an ad for a book, and it will cycle through. People will be advertising their books. It's kind of like a it's it's like a bidding thing. You know, the people that paid the most. Are going yeah. to, their book is going to show up more often, but everyone can do it. It's not super expensive. It c it can be for some people depending on where you live in the world, but sure, you know I I've had occasionally uh, I've th I've thrown like maybe a hundred and fifty to five hundred dollars to advertise, and you you know you have to understand that it can be a money losing prospect if you don't uh, if you don't fine tune how you market. So it can actually be beneficial instead of spending say $200 to add uh, to advertise on Amazon, paying someone $250 to set that advertisement up for you. So the other thing that I've heard is that rather than I'm just throwing out random figures here, but rather than spending $200 on Amazon, you might start by spending $30 on Amazon and then tweak your ad, spend another 30, tweak your ad again, spend another 30, and you can gather data that way too. Uh, so for yeah. the same two hundred, you can get you can you can run you know seven different ads, and uh, and and one of them might take off. Where I, I don't have a good notion of how to predict what kind of an ad will take off necessarily, but some of them do. Oh, there's a lot of people that use. Uh, there is software online where people have like kind of gamed the system, where it's like, what are the search yes. terms for certain genres of books that people are actually looking for, and you can you can purchase those services. Uh, I know. I think I know exactly where you got that information from, too. By the way, yes. But that that is, uh, and and that that is something that changes a lot too, because like I think that information is something like seven years old now. But well, there's I, still I've, some I've of that around. Repeated. I've heard it repeated. Yeah, several times in the in the interim. So, but you have I to remember that valid, it changes yeah. constantly. So, like the thing that you were doing well, well, seven years ago might it might still work, but it's like there might be a tweak to it here and there. So you have to watch out yeah. for that. The ad that works might change, but like the the strategy yeah. of 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 getting in little bit by bit is is usually. I th so from what I understand, a lot of the algorithms for these ads don't like it if you like suddenly change your funding by a large amount and so if you start out at 20 and then suddenly go to 2000 they freak out yeah like like not not people freak out but like the algorithm freaks out for some reason and then so you know you go from 20 to 30 to 50 to rather than 20 to 100 20 to 200 kind of thing oh and you know since you bring it up uh it's also important to you know work out a marketing budget for yourself. Like work out how much you oh, think yeah. you're going to be able to spend on marketing. And once you once you have an amount that you're comfortable with, that's when you should start looking at what kind of marketing you can do, what services you can do. Um I'm just going to go ahead and suggest from personal experience, don't yeah. bother with Facebook ads at all. I have I have never heard any real success stories on returns from that. I mean, maybe there are some, but I've only for ever heard negative. For books other things? For books, specifically. Uh, okay. I don't know about other things, but 
I've I've talked to lots well, I mean, of people. The, the same place, the same place that I heard that you should uh, go in small amounts and then gradually increase is the same place that said that that they get most of their income from Facebook ads. And if it's the same place I'm thinking of, I think a couple years later he changed his tune. Uh no, he's still he's still saying he uses a lot of Facebook ads. All right, fair enough. Uh, but he, of course, that's nonfiction we're talking about. True, very true. So I, I, I don't know how it relates. May, maybe I just never met anyone that did have the success on it. So I mean, I don't. That's fair. I don't really that's meet fair. that many people. That I, I'm not. I'm not saying that you're wrong. I'm just saying that that I've heard, I've heard something different in certain circumstances. And you know, since since neither of us has spent huge quantities of cash on these ads, it might just be that we optimize them poorly or something like that it could be well okay so i'll say this much then as as far as all of the advertising platforms i have ever used the only one that i've heard horror stories from is facebook uh-huh. so i actually i'm, I'm gonna re- okay. i'm gonna retract it <laughs> that's fair i'm gonna retract that and i'm gonna what say kind of horror stories uh, you know i, I lots I mean, no, of people no names but like, lots but of like, people losing lots of money because of how the Oof. clicks worked and how things weren't explained up front and how they did their own investigations into how their advertisements were showing up, and they were like, this isn't even the audience that I selected. Uh, oh, wow, just, really? Yeah, lots of times. And, you know, I didn't... I thought maybe it was just people being cranky, so I did look into other services that I was using at the time, and I did yeah. not hear people having these problems with... I mean, there were still problems with the other ones, but, like, you know, Amazon or Twitter or... Uh, yeah, Twitter actually does have a business... Uh, advertising thing you can do i haven't used them since they became x but they're still they're still there yeah (laughs) well i mean i since since elon musk bought it i haven't done any advertising there but they sure they do still have that as an option as far as i know yes but yeah so so don't like completely discount facebook on my word like like investigate it yourself see if it'll work for you talk to people who have made more money than i did on it you'll get a much better view of it from them <laughs> possibly i i also to, to be uh really honest about it you know i'm not i'm not even on facebook anymore like my account is still there i just i haven't used it in six years so for all yeah, i know I, it could be I, the I... best platform for advertising books that exists right now every once in a while someone throws me a message and i'll go on facebook but that's basically it I might actually, now that you've said that, I might actually go back and uh, start a new account just for, just like one of my book accounts. Because I used to sell my books through Facebook. You used to be able to uh, set up a little online store. I don't know what it's like now. I know that tons of stuff has changed. Sure. But yeah, there's, figure out your budget and try to find, try to see where you can spend most effectively. Uh, Look into what other people have done, you know, try to figure out if you want to do it yourself or if you want to pay someone to figure out what your advertising strategy is going to be. Well, so if you're doing it yourself and you don't know that much about it, I would say step one is to diversify. Yeah. Try a bunch of things a little bit and see what gets, gets, get yourself some data before you throw in your, you know, the, the lion's share of your funding. And when you have your budget, I I would not recommend taking big risks with your whole budget uh you want that budget to be able to continuously uh you know seed the product that you're trying to sell well so the you know the measure of a working ad is that your revenue from the ad is more than you spent on the ad (laughs) right yeah so so So, figure out like you you know how long do you and and you gotta be careful here because that's like after taxes after fees after you know, like the, the the time that you spent doing it, you gotta you gotta incorporate all that stuff because it's it's very easy to very easy to trick yourself that you're on the edge of being of making a profit when you're not. So that's actually a good point too. I would recommend to anyone that wants to pursue this line of uh, you, you know you know self marketing or whatever, uh, learn how to run a business. Don't necessarily start a business. A lot of people do start an LLC for their uh, for the books they plan to write. I would say yeah. wait until you have a modicum of success writing and selling books before doing that. Yeah. Uh, you don't necessarily have to do that even when you are successful. It can be a good strategy, but it's not necessary. Uh, but definitely learn how to run a business, how a business works, and that will give you a pretty good insight into 
into how you might want to approach advertising for your books because any book on business is is going i mean get, get like business for dummies business for dummies is fine if you just want to learn the basics sure, of running sure. a business and you'll you'll have a good insight into why people make some of the decisions they do and and you'll have a, a good like baseline so that if when you're talking to people that actually want to do business with you that you know you're not getting the short end of the stick yeah that's important too you want to understand you know why why is someone coming to me with this offer and how is it benefiting them and can it benefit me is it benefiting me that too that's, that nowadays be, that that's very question. important <laughs> you have no idea how many people are out there now that are just like it's, it's i'm in it for me and i don't care who i screw <laughs> basically yeah Well, actually, anyone that gets a lot of spam bots knows exactly how many people are out there like that. Uh, oh, yeah. Spam bots are, the, the spam bots account for about 20% of it, maybe? If we're, I mean, I, I worry that you might have the, the 80-20 principle wrong, but sure. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I mean, usually the iceberg that's visible is much, much smaller. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. I, I mean, I could... There's a lot I could keep going on about publishing, but we can we can switch it up now if you've got something else you want to discuss. I mean, we're at we're we've got a pretty solid episode here. I think we go, we went through two topics and we're at about an hour. It's a lot of distilled information that by itself doesn't sound like something that's too hard to pick up, but in reality, like it took it us took me five years to probably to pick up all of this information, and that's not even including. The very last part where it's like, oh, it's 2013 and I'm just now reading books on business. Right. All right. Well, then I'd say that that uh, that sounds like a pretty good episode here. We'll call this uh, done. Episode three, discuss thoughts on prompts and publishing. And let's not commit to the topic for next time yet. We're not. Uh, no, no, yeah. of course not. We, we've got a couple of uh, ideas. Um, but unless Unless we have some real gold. <laughs> well, we will leave it. So we'll, we'll at least say that, like one of them, one of them is inspiration from music, which I, sure. I, I thought about trying to weasel in at the end there, but would be more fun to just maybe start the next could, one off with. We could do a whole episode with that, or you know, what we could start one off with that. Yeah, we have a, we have a few different ideas. We'll do some brainstorming, and uh, yeah, thanks for listening. And uh, once again, I'm Rudy and Justin, and we'll see you later. Thanks for listening to the Wordy Pair Podcast. Our passion is all things writing, world building, and getting into the weird and wonderful world of fiction. We hope you enjoyed our unique takes. If you did, make sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to get your weekly dose of writing weirdness. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hit us up on Twitter. For Rudy, it's at Rudolph underscore Cone. And for Justin, at Ninja Mouse Chew. See you next time on the Wordy Pear Podcast.